Welcome to Downton. Hello there. Emma speaking. Welcome to Shall We Go Through, the Downton Abbey fan podcast. What? 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 Hi guys. I hope you're all doing well. And I hope it is not too hot where you live because here it's already way too hot. And it's just the beginning of summer. Maybe for some people it's not that hot. But for us in the northeast of France, we're not used to have 39 degrees Celsius before summer. So, um, yeah. And well, if it is already way too hot where you live, hang on and stay hydrated. But we're not here to talk about the weather. We're here to talk about episode five of season two of Downton Abbey that I called the one with the deathbed wedding. This is a very heartbreaking episode. Well, I think. Just my title is already heartbreaking. So yeah, let's start, shall we? So if you remember, last episode, Ethel, she said that she wanted a new adventure. Well, she got a new adventure. She was pregnant and now, well, she has a baby. I'm not sure that's the adventure that she wanted, but like O'Brien said, be careful what you wish for. And so in a scene, we see Mrs. Hughes with baskets taking the bus. And we realize that she's going to Ethel's and she gives her food. Because she's, well, she doesn't have a job anymore. She's alone with her baby. And apparently um, she has written to the major with no success. And she tried and tried because, well, technically the baby has a father. But apparently the father, he doesn't care. And Mrs. Hughes says to Ethel, well, the major is coming back to Downton to see some of his old buddies that are still at Downton. So Ethel, she wants to come to the house. But Mrs. Hughes is like, no way. Ethel says, she's still on the message, you've got to help me. Well, she's literally already helping her because she's giving her food. I like when Ethel says to her, you never made any mistakes in your life. And Mrs. Hughes is like, well, not like that. Like, no. And I think it's good of Mrs. Hughes to give her food and still try to help her. Because she did warn her. I'm still sad about the whole situation. I was not a fan of Ethel, but I didn't want this to end that way. But yeah, Mrs. Hughes, she agreed to take another letter from Ethel to give to the major when he comes to Downton. And so she talks with Bryant, but the moment he sees the letter, he sees the handwriting. He's like, no. He's like, well, I know who wrote it and I don't want it. And she tries to insist, if you just only read it, if you just go and see the child, like, you know, and he's like, I don't care. And I'm angry at this guy, truly. Like, I'm like Mrs. Hughes that moment, you know, when... He says, well, the last thing I, I wish is to be rude. And you see her face like, yeah, but I'm sure you will be. And I'm angry at you. And yeah, <laughs> he doesn't read the letter. And he doesn't care at all that he had the child with a maid. And so then Mrs. Hugh comes to see Ethel again to tell her that he hasn't read the letter and that he doesn't care. And she asks her if she found any job. And she says, yeah, she found it. But it was difficult because she needs to take her baby with her. And she says that she says to people that her husband died at the front. So she invented a lie, which I mean, okay, she's lying, but it's not like a total lie. Like technically the father, okay, she was not married to him. But the father was a soldier and he was at the front. And, you know, at that time, it's very plausible, you know, to be alone with the child and having her husband die at the front. But in the end, she's alone with a baby and she doesn't know what to do because she's, She's stuck. And actually, 
Mrs. Hughes says when Ethel says that she tells to people that her husband died in France, says that they have a new maid that is actually a war widow. Now we're going to talk about that maid that corporate shippers do not like, and I'm part of it. So that new maid, Jane. You know what? It's awful because I know deep down, every time I rewatch the show, I have nothing against her technically. Like, I feel a bit sorry for her, but the storyline that then is built around her is just so upsetting and it gets me so angry that I just can't stand her. I do not hate her. She's not part of the I hate them characters. But yeah, I don't know. There's something about her that's troubling me. But I think my issue is because she is often a character in some covert fan fictions and most of the time she's always awful <laughs> so yeah so like i said new mate and we see her the first time in mrs hughes sitting room and she wants to apply for a job and so we realize that she has a child and so it's quite unusual because usually well maids they are not married and will have children but she said that she can manage that she has her mother to help her and she says that she must earn so she has to work but we don't know why and then Carson, he comes to tell Robert that there's this new maid, but she has a son, she's a widow, and her husband died at the front. And so, well, of course, it's unusual, but Robert, he agrees to let her work in the house because, like, well, you know, we should help her because her husband died for king and country, so we have to help her, you know, in kind of exchange to the sacrifice her husband made. And then, in a scene, Robert meets the new maid. And... Well, again, he's really, really nice and really sweet to her because she, she, she's supposed to clean a room. Mrs. Hughes tell her that they, we clean a room and she's not in the right room. And so she's very embarrassed when she realizes that she is not in the right room and that Robert is here. But he's so kind, truly. Like we already said that, that Robert is really kind. I think I said that in almost every episode. It, it's like a, a recurrent theme, you know. Robert is kind. I'm in love with Cora. You know, it's kind of a recurrent theme. So he meets the maid and he even says to her that uh, we owe your late husband a great debt. And you realize that she's very, it's a mixture between being embarrassed and very emotional. And she has something like she's shy and sometimes you even feel like she's a girl. I don't know if you know what I mean. Like really like she doesn't know where to stand, which at the same time annoys me and makes me feel sorry for her. It annoys me for what's going to happen next. And it makes me feel sorry for her because I mean, just if you see like that, I mean, yes, it's awful. Like she has a son and she has no husband anymore. She has to work and yeah, but Robert is really kind, you know, to her. Maybe he looks at her for a bit too long for my liking, but that is just, you know, <clears throat> me imagining things because of what's going to happen next. Bananas. And so about this new maid, Corinne Robert, <laughs> still not in a good shape. Absolutely not, actually, because technically, I mean, it's about the staff. It's Cora who takes care of the staff. So technically, it was at her that Casa should have asked if they could take this new maid. But she was too busy. So they asked Robert. And Cora, she just arrives in the room and says, yeah, it's true, I'm very busy. And they were supposed to go to some people, the Townsends. And she said that she can't go because she is too busy. 
and you see how he's he's bothered by it, he's upset like but we gave them the date like, well you can figure something and go on your own like you know like you're a big boy and which is kind of sad in this scene like they don't even really look at each other like because he's reading his newspaper and she's just looking for some piece of paper i don't know what and they almost don't look at each other and it's very sad and like i said last episode about the deleted scene where you know she told him that he had to go alone to see some people and said that i hate to go to things without you well this is actually this not they put so maybe because the other one was cut they put this one in Actually, you see, especially in this episode, that where Robert's still in depression, like truly, maybe even if Bates is back, he's like deep in the hole. I don't think he sees lights right now. And you see it because Cora is very busy. Like she, usually it's Robert who comes and look at something at his desk and then coming back to do I don't know what and cries with her needle point, you know, on the, on the city, you know. <laughs> that is the opposite. She's the one just coming in and out of the room and he's the one with his newspaper. He's the only one who has nothing to do. Because Mary, she's at the hospital because of Matthew. Well, Sybil, she's working at Downton. Edith, she's taking care of William. So everybody has something. To do. Even Violet is very busy in this episode. And Isabel is off to France. So he is the only one who has absolutely nothing to do. And if you add that to the, I have not been at the front, I feel like a fraud situation. And the, my wife is not here. I feel alone and uh, abandoned. Yeah, so it's just, uh, again, an update on their situation, but it's gonna, only going to get worse. And, well, I'm not going to get angry right now. I'm going to get angry when, you know, the time comes. Bananas. And to end with the smaller storylines in this episode, let's talk about Sybil and Branson. Because if you have listened to my previous episode, you know that, oh my God, I'm so sorry if you love them. And it's okay, you can. It's just, Branson, he just gets on my nerve. Like, oh, especially last episode. I mean, last episode was a bit too much. And well, still now, I think he is very, very full of himself. Like, truly. And so, at the moment, Sybil comes to see him because she wants to go to the hospital. Because she wants to be there with Mary when Matthew arrives. And I love this exchange that they have. He asks her is she still in love with him i don't want to talk about it why because i'm the chauffeur no because she's my sister you're good at hiding your feelings aren't you all of you much better than we are perhaps but we do have feelings and don't make the mistake of thinking we don't i really love it because you realize that she talks to him like they're equal the fact that she says that she doesn't want to talk about uh, mary and if she's still in love with matthew because she's her sister and not because he's the chauffeur. Because Mary, she was like, you're the chauffeur, I'm not talking to you, you know? And I, I mean, I'm on her side. And how he says that, and that's none of your business if my sister is still in love with Matthew. Like, I mean, just, yeah, just get on with your own, like, feelings and stuff and just leave my sister alone. Like, what is this question? And the fact they said that, oh, why? Because I'm the chauffeur, I don't want to talk about it. And I think her answer is actually, I mean, it's, it's the proper one. Like, no, I don't want to talk because she's my sister and I'm talking about her love life and everything because no, I mean, <laughs> and how you say, oh, you're much better at hiding your feelings because it's still on the, oh, you're in love with me, but you're too afraid. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> Guess on my name. But I like how she answers back. You know, we do have feelings and don't make the mistake of thinking we don't. Like, yeah, girl. And then later on, she comes to see him again and 
he asks about William and she said that it's very sad because, well, he's not going to make it. We're going to talk about that later. But she can see that he's a bit upset. And, well, he says that they shot the czar and his family. Well, we already knew that's what was going to happen, you know. And most of the servants thought that would have happened. Only Brent was like, why would they kill them? And again, when Anna said uh, back then to make an example, right, it's actually kind of what happened. So you can feel that he's upset because he never thought that they were going to kill them. But quickly he's like, yeah, but you know, sometimes uh, great sacrifices uh, are worth it. And you're like, okay. Your partner is still angry, you know, very, um, well, he says not, he's not a revolutionist, he's a socialist, but like, you can see that he's still a bit angry all the time, you know. And Sybil, you can feel that she's a bit tired of him telling her what she should do, what she should think. So she wants to leave, but he holds her back and he touches her waist. I'm like, keep your hands off, man. Uh, yeah, who do you think you are? Like, okay. But at that moment, you feel like everything slows down. And he says, Sometimes a hard sacrifice must be made for a future that's worth having. That's all I'm saying. That's up to you. And for a moment, you think she might kiss him. Like you have this tiny moment where they look at each other. She looks at his lips. He looks at her lips. And you think she, she's coming a bit closer. And then she leaves. So you see that she's still confused about her feelings because last episode says that she didn't know if she liked him or not and what well, is confusing i'm confused with her to be honest i don't know even i after watching the show so many times i don't even know <laughs> if i'm sure about her feelings for him so it's uh, yeah it's quite tricky and like i said i'm not a big fan of them until the end of season three which can be quite weird but yeah bananas So, now let's start to talk about our bigger storylines of this episode. So, remember this episode, Anna and Bates, they thought everything was fine. Bates was back at Downton. Everything was fine. He could divorce his wife and he wanted to marry Anna. They were like, oh my God, we, now we should get used to feeling happy. And, you know, I said, you know, like, uh, enjoy it while it lasts. Well. In this storyline, we have lots of characters coming together. But, you know, I'm just going to dive in. So, remember, O'Brien, last episode, she said to Thomas that she holds a grudge longer than he did. And we already said that didn't sound good at all. Well, in the servants' hall, she says to Thomas that she wrote a letter to Mrs. Bates to tell her that Bates was back at Downton. She kind of regrets it a bit because... Uh, at the same time, we had the trouble with Matthew and William. I'm going to find that later. But yeah, she did it. But Anna and Bates, they're still on their little, you know, like cloud of heaven. Like, oh, we're going to get married. Everything will be fine. And they go to church because Anna asks Bates to come with her. Because she wants to pray for Matthew and for William. Anyway, and he says to her, you should have had a church wedding. And like when he says, you know. You in a white dress? Me looking like a fool? Because obviously they can't have a church wedding because he will be divorced. It's not now, but when they will get married, he will be divorced. So they can't marry to church because of that. And oh my God, I love what she says. It's very, very romantic. 
I'd rather have the right man than the right wedding. And I thought this was really sweet, you know, romantic, and you're still over the moon. She says, well, I'm feeling a bit guilty of feeling that happy when, you know, everything that's going around at home. But, you know, I'm even more grateful and stuff. And you're like, oh, this is sweet. Well, <laughs> like I said, every time it is about Anna and Bates, Julian just said, well, happiness, boring. Because Mrs. Bates is back. Oh, yeah, we love her. Mrs. Bates is one of the characters that I love to dislike. She's not part of the character I truly hate, actually. She, she might be there, but not my top three. But I think I love to hate her because it's a very interesting character and the actress is just so good that I love the scene where she's in it. But yeah, Mrs. Bates is back and she's obviously angry because nothing is settled. And the issue that she has is that Bates came back to Downton and she's a nasty woman but if you just uh, look at everything in her perspective you know she was married to men that at some point made her life kind of miserable but yeah she he went to prison for her but if you just do not think about that and then this man he found happiness again he has a job that he loves he literally works with a friend you know Robert he uh, met a woman that he fell in love with and his life it feels like everything went right for him. So she's jealous. And when, you know, she thought that she got him back, well, then he just left again. And, well, yeah. So jealousy does make you do a lot of good things. But that's maybe why... I'm not saying that I excuse everything she does, because absolutely not. But that's maybe why I don't hate her completely. Because a part of me, a little part of me, feels a bit sorry for her and just because the actress Maya Dole Kennedy she's just so talented just love to see her so yeah so again she's angry so she says that now well there's no deal she's not going to divorce him and she will sell her story to the paper if you remember her story was the Pamuk scandal yay He's still here, literally. The guy died more than one season ago and he's still here. The guy was in episode three of season one and we're in episode five of season two and he's still here. I mean, yeah, okay. I remember the story I wanted to tell was the Turkish diplomat dying in Lady Mary's bed and Anna helping her move him back to his room. I still don't know how they knew that Anna was involved. Again, if you have some ideas about that, because I'm still confused, but I think maybe they just guessed it. But so we still have the scandal. So obviously now it's the scandal. We have Mary coming into this equation of Anna and Bates versus Mrs. Bates. But in a scene between O'Brien and Thomas, she says to him that she regrets to have written this letter because she is even angrier now that she has seen Bates than before she saw him. You know, she says, well, she talked about you no know, scandal that would like ruin the house. I like when Thomas like, what scandal? I'm like, what? there's only one scandal and you know what it is about. And obviously they know which scandal it is because there's only one. And O'Brien, you realize that for the first time, because usually this is the one that between the two of them, things think in detail she is maybe the one that has more conspiracy 
tourist minds. I don't even know if it's English what I'm saying, but I think you get the picture. But in this time, she was so angry at Bates. And again, anger makes you say and do things without thinking. You know, we had uh, Edith writing to the Turkish ambassador, for example. And now we have Brian writing to Miss Bates and realizing that this was a mistake. And Thomas says to her, and you should have asked more questions. You know what they say, the devil is in the detail. Well, I'm not standing by while she brings misery and ruin on my lady. And actually, I still love the fact that she became Cora's protector. Apart from me, find quite funny that she's so like protective of Cora that she can't be friends with Bates because them being the lady's maid and the valet of the lord and lady of the house, you thought that maybe they could, yeah, maybe be kind of friends and they just, well... She just hates him. And yeah, I just love how she changed her tune from I hate Cora, I want to see her eat dirt, to no one is going to hurt my lady. But again, you know, she did kill Cora's baby. So, <laughs> you know, she can try to repay herself, but we do not forget. And I even want to say we do not forgive either. But so, like I said, the scandal. So Anna talks to Mary about it. She what should we do because now we have a problem and so mary says that she we have to tell carlisle and maybe he can buy the scandal and if he can buy it maybe you know it will not be published so he's the only one that can actually save her but you see that she doesn't want to but she feels like she has no choice and so she's in carlisle's office i love this scene because you see how uncomfortable she is and we do not see mary a lot like that we can see that it costs her a lot to be there the way she talks you know when she says if you think it pains me to ask this favor you'd be right but i have no choice if i am not to be an object of ridicule and pity and maybe it's just me when he says well and you think that after knowing that i would still want to marry you and she's like well that's not for me to say if you wish to break off our understanding i'll accept your decision after all, it's never been announced. We may dissolve it with the minimum of discomfort. I don't know if it's just me, but she's so in love with Matthew that a part of me thinks that she almost, almost hope that he will break off the engagement. I don't know if it's just me, it's just me imagining it because I think that she still wants to marry Matthew, but yeah. But actually he doesn't. He's like, well, if I do that for you, that means we getting married in more equal terms because he knows that she is like Cora says damaged goods but something that I don't like is when she uh, tells him well I, I will repay you he's like no don't as my future wife you're entitled to be in my debt I absolutely do not like the sound of that but this scene I just I love the tension and you feel uncomfortable too like you like Mary you do not want to be here and then there was a deleted scene that is actually a real deleted scene. Like, I have seen it. And guess what? It's a cover scene. Oh, hey. I mean, I think we're used to, okay? Again, I still think the people that decide uh, which scenes should stay or not are not cover cheapers. But it's a scene in two parts. It talks about two storylines. I'm just going to take about the piece that talks about this one. So it's in Cora's bedroom. O'Brien is here to get her ready to go to bed. And she says that Mrs. Bates wants to publish something involving Lady Mary. But she doesn't say the scandal because O'Brien, I think she doesn't know that Cora is involved in this. 
I think no one knows that Cora is involved except Mary, Anna, and Violet. I think they are the only three people, and Cora obviously, that knows that she is involved. But obviously, Cora, a scandal involving Lady Mary, there's only one she can think about like this. This has been eating her since, well, episode three. She kind of felt a bit better because she shared it with Violet, but now it's still, it comes back to haunt her, like truly. I think the Pamuk is here, like the ghost is here to haunt them. And again, this is also a struggle because she can't say anything to Robert, you know, because she said that we're not saying anything to him because it would kill him. So, you know, O'Brien says that, then she leaves, Robert comes in. Cora, she's obviously worried and she asks Robert, do you know why Mary had to go to London all of a sudden? And Robert says, well, I think it was something she wanted to discuss with Carla instead of maybe perhaps wedding stuff because, you know, they're engaged, not officially, officially, but they're engaged. Doesn't go further to that. Robert is like, he knows there is scandal, but he doesn't know what it is. And I don't think it ever crossed his mind that he could be something involving his daughter. I don't think it would even cross his mind that it could be involving his own wife. Wife that he tries to protect from it because when he knew about the scandal, he didn't tell her anything because I think he's like, yeah, I don't want to stress her out, but she actually knows the scandal because she was part of it. But she was part of the rescuing team, you know. <laughs> anyway. But then Mrs. Bates, she goes to see Carlyle because Carlyle, he asked her to come. This scene, the two scenes between the two of them are just so good. Again, the actors are so tiny. They're so powerful. I don't know how really to explain it, but you see that they are equals in terms of strength, even if technically he's the one that has the ascendant on her. The actors, they have the same strength in power i don't know how to say that but i think you get it it's so good and so he wants to buy her story and he says that you will have to sign a contract and he tells her well you know anyone who breaks off a contract with me i mean you should never break a contract with me i mean he's very good very convincing because everyone she kind of is just like well how did you heard about me he's like well you know i'm a newspaper man like i know everything and if i hear a good story well of course i want it so it's really good, very convincing. And then there was another scene that was cut and this one I think was just already cut in the script, which I thought was quite interesting. It was between Anna and Bates and he says that he ought to know, but we don't know who he talks about at first. But he says, you know, that he feels bad, that he kept the secret that long. And he tells Anna, it's not right to keep him in ignorance about his own daughter. So realize that he talks about Robert that he thinks he ought to know about the scandal. And Anna answered him. And is it right to break his heart? She's so right. And her reaction is exactly the same as Cora. And the same even as Violet. No, you will crush him. Like the guy is already deep in depression. If you tell him now that the scandal involves his daughter, just not, no, I mean, please. <laughs> Maybe that would really finish him off. Surely. I think this and you realize that Bates is struggling because Robert is a dear friend to him and he doesn't want to lie because it's very important. And I think it's the same kind of conflict that Cora has. She wants to tell him because he's but he's her best friend, he's her husband. Like I think they usually they tell each other everything, but she can't because she feels, yeah, if I tell him that he's going to die. And that's why I think Cora and Bates could be really good friends. 
you know? I do blame Robert for Cora not liking Bates because at that moment, like I said, if she knew that he knew the secret and never said Robert, she would love the guy. And maybe, you know, she could talk with him and say, please don't tell anything to him because that would not be a good idea. So I think they could be really good friends. And so, oh my God, I just love this scene. At breakfast, Robert's reading a newspaper. But before we see that, we just hear him say, Good God Almighty. I love this. I love how sometimes it just kind of a bit of explodes when he's reading the newspapers. It's not the only time it's going to happen. I love it. And so why is he so surprised? It's because in the newspaper, there's the announcement of Mary and Richard's wedding. And you see that he's a bit upset because he never said that you know, it was going to be official in marriage. Like, well, I didn't know. And he's upset that Richard didn't ask Mary to print something in a newspaper and she's like well it's Richard Carlyle I don't think like asking permission it's uh, his thing and Robert he's a bit angry at that like really you see he doesn't like that he doesn't like the guy at all so yeah but you see that when he reads what was announced in the newspaper Carson he's a bit upset too you know because you know Carson like married Mary is like a daughter to him and I don't think he like Richard Carlyle so uh, he's like a bit upset too, you know, like the guy printing something without asking Lady Mary opinion first. I don't like the guy. <laughs> so now technically we realize that the scandal, it's over, where well, it's over. Now it's over. And Richard does want to marry Mary and they technically will because now it's official. So it's also a way of him to tell her, now you belong to me kind of way and you will have to marry me you know it's not just uh we said that we're going to get married no now it's official i said there were two scenes between uh, mrs bates and carla well the second one she comes into his office and she's very very angry obviously because she feels that he played her which is what he did and she's very angry he's like yeah well i just yeah i want to protect my fiance's good name like yeah and she's very angry and he threatens her said well you sign a contract with me and if you say this to anyone it's like i will haunt you it doesn't say i will kill you but it does sound like that. like the threats like he, he's kind of scary and you see she's a bit scared too and then she's like okay maybe lady mary she goes away with it i don't care john bates it's not the end for him but she's very angry and that does not sound good bananas another scene that was cut that was quite interesting it's Cora she asked Mary if she had any success in London because you know Brian told her about the scandal so she's not stupid she thinks okay maybe she goes to London to ask Richard to buy the scandal well you know and Mary she uh, she tells her why the announcement should have told you that I did because obviously if uh, Richard still wants to marry her that means yes she had success in London and so Cora, she's a bit, she's still a bit anxious. So the story is gone away. Like we won't hear about it. And Mary's like, well, for now, yes. Like I can't speak for forever, but for now, yes, we won't hear about the story anymore. And Cora's like, thank the Lord. So I think she can kind of breathe a bit because this candle has eaten her for so long that she just wished that, I think she just wished that Mary was settled. So like, whatever happened, she was like, she is settled and she is not yet well technically she will be because she's supposed to get married to Carlyle but this is a lot of stress for her that she can't share 
with her husband. So I think this is one of the reasons of why they are growing apart of each other, you know, Cora and Robert. It's a lot of things, but this is definitely one of the reasons because this was already here before the war and it's still there. But apparently now the story has gone away. And Mary, she talks with Bates and she tells him that it's okay that Richard has managed to like buy the story and everything. So she hopes that we can forget it because she knows that he knows the story. He's like, yes, I already forgotten it. But she says to him that apparently his wife was very, very, very angry and that she threatened him. He's like, well, you know, I think it's almost like he was prepared, like he knew that was going to happen. And then Bates, he tells Anna that, uh, well, it's okay, Vera won't uh, say the story now because she, well, she can't say it. So the story is gone. And so Anna, she is a bit hopeful and she says, So everything in our garden is rosy again? I hope so. I certainly hope so. But he does not tell her about the threats that his wife made. I think it's to not worry her. Anna, she's been worried for a while now with this story. So I think he doesn't want to upset her about it, but he doesn't tell her. And apparently, me, he thinks it's a bit suspicious because they have faced this together since almost the beginning. And yeah, maybe he doesn't want to frighten her. But he knows that if his wife has made threats against him, that this is not over. And, well, I can say to you that it's definitely not over, Bananas. Now, let's talk about the war. And so, about Matthew and William. I haven't said last episode, but last episode we were already in 1918. So we knew that the end of the war is close. At the beginning of the episode, they said that we're in Amiens in 1918. So Amiens, it's a, a city in the north of France. It's at the same place as the Somme. And this battle started on the 8th of August and it lasted a couple of days. And this battle actually led to the end of the war. It was the first time uh, the Allied forces had an upper hand on the German forces. And there were a large number of surrounding German forces at this battle. And the first day of this battle was known as the Black Day of the German army. So we know now that the end of the war is really close, especially if we know that the battle was in the beginning of August and we know that the armistice is on the 11th of November. So we know we're close to the end. And so in the beginning of the episode, we see and we hear explosions. And we see William and Matthew, they are nervous. You have all the soldiers that are getting ready to go into battle. I think just by that, you realize that this is almost like the end. It's almost like a last effort and it's going to be the end. It's not technically the end at that moment, but we're close to it. And this whole sequence is just awful and so fascinating. And I love it, well, all that at the same time. But so it alternates images of the front with uh, literally people being blown apart, people getting sharp, Matthew and William trying to make their way without getting killed. And then so first you have a daisy and when she just stops it feels like she's somewhere else. And then you have Mary and she let her cup of tea fall. So it alternates between an image from the front and uh, these two scenes. And then you see a blast 
and William, he's protecting Matthew and they both fall into a hole and they're conscious. When you say that, the first thing you say is, it's been five episodes that we at war, we know the war was here and you feel anxious because no one from the show, from the house, no one died because of the war, which was not very realistic. And so then when you're like, okay, so someone has to die. It's sad, but if you have to be realistic, someone has to die because there's no way that this household will not be touched by the war. But who will die? Matthew or William? And I think, well, if you just think about it, you know he can't be Matthew because he's the future heir, because we have all of this between Lavinia and Mary. So there's too much storylines involving him that you know it can't be him. So you you know that if someone has to die, it is more likely to be William, which is absolutely awful because William is a lovely chap. Like he's nice and you feel very sorry for him because he's, I mean, he's still a baby and it's not fair but that's, well, that's how I felt the first time I watched the show. And then it's the middle of the night. Corinne Roberts are sleeping and O'Brien comes to wake her up. Mosley came from Crowley house with a telegram because he received a telegram and he came to the house because Mrs. Crowley is not here. So he said, I hope I was right. And Robert's like, yes, if there's a telegram, I mean, that must be urgent. So yeah, she won't mind. Everyone is downstairs, the family and the sub. The news is Matthew has been wounded, but he is alive, which is good news. But Courage is worried because, well, Isabel, she doesn't know. And again, you know, already last episode, she was one worried when Matthew was missing. She, oh, Isabel, she doesn't know that her son is missing. And now she's the first one to say, well, she doesn't know that her son has been wounded. So again, even if they had, uh, you know, the differences with the management of the house, I think what she just think as the mother, because if, my son was wounded i would like to know and i love that because i say it again but cora she's just so nice and then so the servants they want to hear the news so they're waiting robert tells them the news but daisy asks and william because if matthew has been wounded where is william and well robert said he doesn't know but basically if something happened to him mr mason we have heard so edith says that she would drive to Mr. Mason in the morning to see if he had news. And I love the fact that, you know, she didn't even hesitate. So, yeah, okay, you know, it's, um, I'm not saying they're as important, but almost, you know, because Matthew, okay, he's from family, but knowing what happened to William is almost as important to them as what happened to Matthew. And I really like that. And so then everyone's going back to sleep. And Mary, she just talks to her father and she says to him, Whatever you discover, tell me. Don't keep anything back. Then he kisses her cheek and you see on Robert's face how affected by the news he is. You remember last episode when he said to Bates, I couldn't face it if Matthew was dead because I love him. And then you realize that it's so true because he's so affected. And yes, Matthew is alive, but you don't know in which state he is, you know. And oh, I don't know why I feel so bad for him because... Like I said already, he's depressed and someone's like, okay, so just add something more to my misery. <laughs> you know, like, oh, this is too much for him. I feel quite sorry for him. And then about William. So Edith, she went to see Mr. Mason and Anna. She talks about it with Bates and she says that apparently he was wounded too, but it sounds bad. And so before going further, 
I wanted to share with you now my French word of the day and my music of the day. I realized that well, it's almost the end of the war now and I haven't given you the word war. I know it's not very cheerful, but yeah, since uh, I mean, we're episode five and we have been talking about the war since episode one. So I thought it was quite a good word, especially that well, this episode is the first time that that war had an impact on downtown actually, because now we have William and Matthew that are wounded. So in French, war is guerre and feminine. So it's une guerre. And it's written G-U-E-R-R-E. I said une guerre, but usually you say la guerre, which is like the war. So, yep. War in French is guerre. And for the music of the day, well, I'm sorry, it's again from Taylor Swift. I'm very sorry if you do not like Taylor Swift, but can't help it. And I knew that I had to put this song somewhere. It's beautiful and heartbreaking at the same time, the music, everything. And I think it just fits this episode and even the war ambiance perfectly. So that was Epiphany by Taylor Swift. And yeah, literally this song talks about war. So yeah, it was kind of obvious. It's the atmosphere of it, the music, the way she sings. is just so powerful and beautiful and heartbreaking at the same time. Especially out of the line, with you I serve, with you I fall down. And it, it is exactly what happened. William and Matthew, they served together and they fell down together. And William actually protected Matthew. He, we can even say, he saved his life. So, yeah, that's very, very sad. So, I'm going to talk about Matthew first and leave the most heartbreaking storyline for the end. So, Mary's in her room and she says to her father that she's going to the hospital because she wants to be there when he arrives. And Robert tells her that Cora wrote to Lavinia and she says, well, I'm glad someone thought of that. Yeah, it's true. Someone had to tell her. And she even says, she needs to stay here at Downton, not alone at Crowley House. And you see on Robert's face, first he's surprised. I think he's surprised that Mary is so nice to Lavinia. But at the same time, he's so proud of her because they all know that she's in love with him. And you see on her face, I think that's, yeah, it's a bit first surprise and pride. Like he's really proud of her. He's really proud of her behavior towards Lavinia, the whole situation. And I think you can feel and you can see love in his eyes, like the love he has for his daughter. I don't know, just me, but that's how I feel it. And yeah, 
I don't know. I think this is very sweet because then she's like, what is it? And he's like, no, nothing. And I don't know. He looks like a proud daddy. And yeah, I love it. And actually, uh, there was a scene that was cut that was actually in the beginning of the episode, just before Mary let her cup of tea fall. But I just want to talk about him now. It was a scene between Cora Violet and Mary. And they talked about her wedding with Carlyle. In this scene, so they said that Carla, he wants to fix the date, but Mary, she wants to wait. And Violet, she says, only parlor maids have long engagements. Ladies say yes and get on with it. But Mary, she says that she wants to wait the end of the war, which I think is completely understandable. And then Cora, she talks about rationing. She says, well, Mrs. Padmore tells me that it starts to be a bit difficult. So if you wait, maybe we don't have enough food. Or we, you know, the wedding will not be as good as it could have been before the war. Mary said that she doesn't care. She says, I'd like to walk out of church and know that everyone there will live forever. So I want to talk about this now because, well, first now we know officially that she's engaged with Caroline, so she can't escape that. But a part of me thinks that she wanted to post back the engagement and the wedding as much as she could because she doesn't want deep down to marry Caroline. She's still in love with Matthew. And she doesn't want to marry Caroline. And you see how she is still attached to Matthew. We saw it last episode, we see it now. And I like when she says that she wants to wait at the end of the war because if it's the end, no men will have to go back to the front and maybe they will never come back. You know, I really understand her. And I think the one person she's most concerned about is Matthew. Yeah, I just thought it was very strong. And I still think that she wanted to post money because she doesn't want to marry Carlisle. But then at the hospital, Mary said that she wants to stay when they bring Matthew and at first, Claxon, he's not really keen on that. He says, you know, I'm afraid that you might be shocked. And she says, well, you have volunteers. Well, I'm a volunteer. He realized that he can't argue with anyone from this family. Like, he will never win a fight against this family, truly. And so they bring Matthew and you see how she's a bit shocked by what she says. It's quick, but, you know, you still have, oh my God, because he's not in really good shape. So she helps Sybil, and Sybil, she finds the little doggy that Mary gave him. Mary says, well, I've given him for luck. And Sybil says, well, too bad it didn't work. And Mary's like, well, he's alive, isn't it? So it worked because not dead, it worked. Then later, when Mary is still at the hospital with Matthew, Robert comes in with Lavinia. And the doctor, he's examining Matthew, and he's examining his back because apparently might have hurt his spine which is not a good sign so then the doctor comes to see them and say that from what he sees now and what they saw before they sent him at downton well it is most certain that matthew would never walk again but then he says you know but okay he would never walk again but he's not dead no it's not the end of his life like mary says it's just the start of a different life and obviously it's um it's a lot to take in. Um, and again, Mary is very sweet to Lavinia. But then Claxon, he wants to speak to Robert in private. And he says to him that there can be no children. He even says no anything. And so that is another blow <laughs> in the face for Robert. Because first, you know, Matthew being wounded. And then him actually not being able to walk again. But not to be able like to not do a lot. Actually, again, like, you know, <laughs> that's a lot. And he does not say anything to Mary because I think he doesn't want to hurt her or to sadden her or I don't know, he wants to protect her. He always wants to do that. 
And then Mary and Matthew is just the two of them. And he asks her about William. And so she uh, tells him that he's not really good. And he asks her what Dr. Clarkson said because he can't seem to be able to move his legs. And at first she doesn't want to tell him. And he says, please tell me. And so she tells him that he might have damaged uh, his spine. She tells him in her way that the doctor says that he might never walk again. Like he might never get better. And what you see, he's very affected. Obviously, it's a lot. And he's sad. You feel like she stays strong for him. And she tries to comfort him. But once she is away from him, she starts to cry. I really like Mary in Sinti better than season one Mary. Because I think you see her in a different light. I think you see the true her. Because you still have this strong and fierce woman. But at the same time, you see that she's, she can be emotional and she has a bit of fragility but not in a bad way just you know she's not cold and heartless but she's very strong that's true and then when Matthew is with Lavinia he wants to let her go she doesn't want to say okay maybe you can't walk but that doesn't mean we can't have a life and he tells her that they can never be properly married and so he wants to let her go because doesn't want her to be with him if he has nothing absolutely nothing to offer her so he's insist on the fact that she has to go because he doesn't want her to throw her life away just because she says now that she loves him and that it's not important to say, well, now maybe in one or five years it's going to be important and you're going to hate me and it's not going to work. And so to come back to our Cobert dated scene, it's the same scene where Cora asked Robert if he knew when Mary had to go to London. So they're, they're together in her bedroom and they talk about Isabel and Matthew. And he says that Isabel's on her way back, that she knows everything. This scene is actually really heartbreaking because I've seen it. You see how Robert, he's so affected by what happened to Matthew. He says, I can't really talk about him yet or I start to cry. And Cora tells him, he's alive, Robert. He'd be healthy in every other way. Not, I'm afraid, in every other way. Clarkson says there could never be any children. Oh no, how tragic. And then Cora continues, so maybe Mary will be better off in the long run. And Robert tells her, don't ever say that to her or anything like it. This scene, Robert is so emotional. Like Matthew is like a son to him. So if he's like, okay, he's not dead, but the life that he will live from now, he doesn't feel like a life. And you see, but I say you see his face because I've seen the scene. But if you manage to find it somewhere, the look he gives Cora when she says, so maybe Mary would be better off in the long run. I think he's truly shocked by what she says. And it all comes back to this little well, long analysis that happened on Tumblr about Cora's character and how she expressed her feelings. And the main thing is that she's afraid of her feelings. And I think everything revolves around what is happening and again her priority has always been Mary and she knows that Mary is in love with Matthew her dream would be her and Matthew to get married but she knows it can't happen she even says you know they look so good together so natural but I suppose Lavinia is a nice girl so she realized that yes and even Mary said so that Mary and Matthew would not happen that Matthew is engaged to Lavinia well, at that moment, she's still engaged technically to Carlisle. It's not official, official. But just now, at that moment, she thinks the scandal might blow up. 
So she's still scared about Mary because she's still not settled. And if the scandal goes out, every door will be slammed in her face. And so what she sees there is that you have a man, Carla, that wants to marry Mary. And on the other hand, you have Matthew that's engaged to another girl. And yes, she, Mary loves Matthew, but Matthew is engaged to Lavinia. And now they realize that he will never walk again and there could never be no children. So Apophis says, maybe this is a blessing in disguise that Mary would take Carlisle and then we get married. She would be settled and whatever happens with the scandal, I can breathe. I don't know if you understand what I mean, but it's what I think. And I think she is so afraid of her feelings and she has so many things in her mind and, he, and she's so anxious about so many things. And this candle, I think, is the thing that has been eaten her up for so long that she says things without actually realizing that she said it. I don't know if you understand me, but like, I understand what she means in that way, but it's the way she says it. It's almost not kind because of course she's a very calm person, but sometimes she can say things and you're like, what the hell, especially in the future. And I think she's so nervous and stressed and anxious and <laughs> about everything else and about Mary, because just now at that moment, she just learned that the scandal might go out that she says things without actually thinking before saying it. It's the way she's saying it that is not right more than what she says. And obviously Robert is like, what the hell, truly? Our girl is in love with this man. This man is actually, I think of him like a son and you're telling me that it's almost like a blessing in disguise that the guy would never have kids. Like it's too much for him. There's so much that he doesn't know that, yeah, it's a bit of a trouble. I know I'm taking a, a lot cross defense on the way she expresses her feelings, and, I'm, and I will do a lot in the future. But I do believe that her main trouble in this season, except the war and everything, it's Mary and the scandal. So, yeah. But I will take Robert's defense a lot too in the future. So, yeah. Well, I love them so much. I had to find them excuse for almost everything. <laughs> Then when Mary comes back from London, she hears Lavinia crying in her room. Because like I said, Lavinia is in Downton because Mary asked for her to be at Downton. And so in this scene, Lavinia, she tells her that Matthew told her that they could never be lovers. And she even says, I haven't thought about it. Maybe everyone realized that it's what would have happened because he can't walk anymore. But Mary says, no, I haven't realized that either. And you see that Mary, she's very sad. And so I kind of love the fact that she knows Lavinia, that something happened between Mary and Matthew. Maybe Matthew had not told her that they were engaged, but she's not stupid. She's not blind. Something happened. But the fact that she's that I have no one to talk to, like it feels like almost that she's glad to have Mary as a friend. And Mary, I think this scene was very lovely because she still continues to be friendly with her. And, you know, she even says, Matthew, he wants to let me go, but I don't want to. So Mary's like, well, then keep going. You know, if you don't want to let him go, just stay with him. And I think that was a really lovely scene. The last scene between Mary and Matthew, they talk about Lavinia. And he says, I can't be with anyone with my condition. And Mary's like, well, even if she wanted to, she says, no, no one should want to live with me now. He says, I can't live with myself anymore. And it makes me think about what he said to Robert uh, when he saw the men arriving at the hospital saying, you know, like the men pray to be spared, but if not, they pray for a bullet that kills them cleanly. 
I think at that moment, Apollo is like, I wish I was dead. Then he's sick. And um, I like what he says when he even laughs about it. He says, you know, when I remember when I turn you down and I look at me. And Mary, see how strong she is, you know, because she loves him so much that she doesn't care that he just vomits in front of her. Yeah. And then so she leaves and Isabel has arrived. She sees that Mary, she took care of him. And you see how emotional she is and she tries not to break down because, yes, she's happy that her son is alive, but he's alive, but technically not really one piece. You know, Mary's like, oh, it's nothing. And she says, it's the opposite of nothing. And just that, her saying that, I don't know why it breaks my heart. To be honest, I can cry right now just thinking about it. Just, you know, when she arrives and she says, it's the opposite of nothing. And when they see each other, how he looks at her and say, mother, it just so lovely and heartbreaking at the same time it's just oh truly i could cry right now <laughs> well i was saying that i could cry talking about you know matthew in his reunion with his mother but now i'm going to talk about william and to be honest i think this storyline at the end of this storyline because we're going to talk about william and daisy is one of the most heartbreaking ones of the show as a whole it's one that really moves me so much because it's so beautiful and heartbreaking at the same time. So we said William has been wounded. The trouble is that William is in the hospital in Leeds because he's not an officer. And Violet, she is in Clarkson's office with Edith. And she says that they want to transfer William at Downton because his father cannot afford to go that far. But the doctor, like I said, he says no because he's not an officer. And Violet, she is angry and she says it always happens when you give these little people power it goes to their heads like strong drink and back at downton in the servants hall o'brien and thomas they're talking about it even thomas just said that he's uh he's sorry for captain crawley and o'brien says well and for william because whatever you say he's not a bad lad then daisy tell them that the doctor said no and that he will not transfer william o'brien she's surprised but thomas he's upset and it shocks everybody when he says that yeah it's not fair because they're not used to him being nice or being on like William's side or something like that and he says well I'm a working class lad and so is he and I get fed up seeing how our lot always get shafted and so obviously with this storyline Daisy she still feels ashamed to have let William believe that she loved him but Violet you know she does not give up she knows what she wants and until she gets what she wants she will not give up and this is probably one of the funniest scenes of the show violet is on the telephone and edith is with her and you can see for the whole scene that edith tries not to laugh and actually it's laura carmichael so the actress who plays edith that said that she was struggling not to laugh and then you can see her sometimes were struggling not to laugh and it kind of fits the scene because you have Edith making fun of her grandmother for not really knowing how to use the telephone. But this scene is just the best. So Violet, she wants to speak to the Marquess of Flincher. We heard that name before, you know, the Marquess that works at the foreign office, you know, had dealings with the Turkish embassy and, you know, the letter and then his wife sent the letter to Violet, you know, I think you remember that. And then she says, I say, Is this an instrument of communication or torture? And well, so apparently she has the Marquess of Fletcher on the phone and she calls him Shrimpy. 
which I think is very, very funny because we know that the Marquis name is Hugh, but apparently he has a nickname and it's Shrimpy. And I don't know why. I just, I love the sound of it. I think it's very funny. But then she wants to use him to pull some strings to transfer William. That's the idea. And she manages to do it because then with Edith, they go to see William and Mr. Mason in Leeds. And they say that they're going to bring him back to Downton. But the doctor says to them that he cannot recover. So that's why also they're not against him coming back to Downton because there's nothing they can do. And so if the boy has to die, it's best if he dies at home. And so where he says he cannot recover, he explains why then at that moment Mr. Mister comes back to them and you can see Violet telling him to stop talking you know she's kind of shushing him because Mr. Mason just arrived and she doesn't want him to know that his son cannot recover and she even says to him you know I'm sure you know we will know more once he's rested and back at home and the doctor at first is not really keen on not letting him that there's no chance that his son will get better but then Violet tells him See, sometimes we must let the blow fall by degrees. Give him time to find the strength to face it. Well, I think Violet's a really good judge of character, and I think she's not wrong of not wanting to say Mr. Mr. right away that his son will never make it. And so they bring uh, William back into a room uh, upstairs, and when he arrives, you see Daisy, she's watching him, and she has tears in her eyes. And it's Edith who takes care of him, and like I said, Daisy, she still feels very guilty. But Miss Patmore, she makes Daisy see William. But Daisy, she doesn't want to marry him. Miss Patmore even told her that she won't have to marry him in the end. And she doesn't want to lie to him before he dies, you know. But this is Patmore, she tries to say to her that it's not that bad, you know, because he's dying, that's his wishes. I mean, what harm can he do? But Daisy, she, she does not feel good about him. So Daisy, she's with William and William, he tells her, well, I'm dying. I'm not going to make it. Uh, I know it. So you've got to marry me. And he wants her to marry him because then she will be a war widow with pension and rights. And, she, and he wants to give that to her. It's such a sad scene. I mean, it's really heartbreaking because he really wants to marry her now because of that. So then you will have something to fall back on and... I would feel better about it. But Daisy doesn't want to. But then Mr. Mason, so William's father, he says that she has to marry him because that's what he wants. You've got to do that for him because he's never going to make it. And so well, it's going to happen, the wedding. And when they are at breakfast, the scene where Robert discovers the announcement of Mary's and Rich's wedding, Carson, he tells him that if the wedding is the afternoon, the indoor staff would like to attend. And Robert says, well, we don't know if the vicar would want to do it because the guy is dying. And so, well, he doesn't have a lot of time to make up his mind because William is, is not going to last long. And then, so the vicar is at the dower house. And Violet, she wants to convince him to do this wedding. And the vicar, obviously, doesn't really want to because like yeah but the guy is dying how do we know that he really wants it maybe it's just the maid that wants to then be a war we do have pensions like you know and violet she's like well i had an interest in this but i tried and failed to save him from conscription so i will attend his wedding and the vicar's like yes but you know what well, he's you realize he doesn't want to but when violet wants something 
usually she ends up having it. And she says, I would point out your living is in Lord Grantham's gift. Your house is on Lord Grantham's land. And the very flowers in your church are from Lord Grantham's garden. I hope it is not vulgar in me to suggest that you find some way to overcome your scruples. Then he realized that he doesn't have any choice that he has to perform the wedding. And so then the servants are all downstairs. Carson, he gives um, a bouquet to Daisy. Actually, it's Robert that asked the gardener to prepare them for her, which I think is really sweet. And then Anna, she puts flowers in her hair and you see how bad she feels. And so well, then it's time and Carson, he gives Daisy his arm to walk up the stairs, which I think it's very lovely, but it's still heartbreaking, but it's very lovely. And then we have the wedding. And I think the room with all the flowers, it's absolutely lovely. And actually, Julian, he made a comment in the script book and he said that he wasn't too keen of all the flowers, like he didn't understand why they did that. But I do not agree with it, with him. I think it was lovely. I think it adds something to the scene because it makes it even more heartbreaking. You know, I don't know why, because it feels so lovely, sweet and pure and then sad and heartbreaking. And you realize that everyone is sad. Everyone, all the servants, even Thomas or Brian. Anna, she has a bottom lip that is trembling. Everyone is sad. Violet, she is crying. Edith, she sees that she's sad, so she put her hand on her shoulder and Violet, she's like, I have a code. Because, you know, English aristocracy, you can't say that you're uh, sad about the wedding of a footman that is dying. But I don't know, this scene is just, yeah, I've already said it so many times, but it's lovely and sweet and heartbreaking, all of that at the same time. And so when then they're married, Daisy and William, you feel like it's the end, like William is really, he's going to die very soon. And then in the end, Daisy and Mr. Mason, there with William. And Miss Padmore, she comes to take over from her, but she says that she doesn't want to, she wants to stay because she said, he needs me now, so I'm going to stay. But then Mr. Mason, he says that he doesn't need her no more. And then you realize that William is dead. And this is the end of the episode. And this is actually the end of this episode. <laughs> I'm so sorry to have ended up on something so heartbreaking. But I think it was beautiful at the same time. That That's the struggle, you know, like it's beautiful, but it's oh, so, so sad. And, you know, I said already last episode, but I think that Daisy, she liked him much more than she said. I think even much more than she realized she liked him. You know, this is, I think, one of the most heartbreaking scenes in the whole show. It's not the most. You have a lot of heartbreaking scenes in the show, but I think this really, really moved me. And like I said, we knew someone had to die because of the war, otherwise it would not have been credible. But it's really sad that it is William that had to die. But in the same way, the fact that he's a character that kind of everyone liked, you know, I think no one disliked William. It has even more impact. It's a young sweet nice man that just died and this is very sad and that's how i decided to end this episode so yeah 
you know, if you were like very happy because of me, now you're like, well, I'm kind of sad. I'm really sorry about it, but I really wanted to end up on that because it, it's actually how the episode ends, and and it's my title, so the one with the deathbed wedding. But yeah, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it, even if it was kind of sad and heartbreaking. As usual, if you want, you can send me a message anywhere. So yeah, I'll see you next Sunday to talk about episode six of season two. Until then, take care of yourself, stay hydrated, and don't forget, vive la différence.